Well, hello and welcome to the One Thing Podcast brought to you by the Horton Group. We're at the Horton Group. We specialize in insurance, employee benefits, and a risk advisory. And I am your host, Jason Helfert. And today we have on the podcast a friend of mine, president and CEO of JCC Chicago, Addie Goodman. How are you, Addie? I'm good, Jason. So nice to see you again. Good to see you too. So how was your Mother's Day? Most important question first. That's right. Well, I will tell you, so I have four children um, that are teens and young adults now. So, you know, their focus on Mother's Day is not so much about handmade cards, I will say. But we also adopted a baby puppy. So I feel like I had my Mother's Day with our new baby in the house. Mm -hmm. I remember you saying that, too. And um, (laughs) it's funny, Doris Day was a, you know, very popular actress of her time. And she once said that I have found that when you're deeply troubled, there are things you get from the silent devotion, devoted companionship of a dog mm. that you can get from no other source. Yeah. And I thought it was pretty timely for things that are going on in, in the world. And um, as you know, we have a, a dog too, and I know what she means to us and our family. And I can see the way she just calms down myself and, and our four kids as well, and, and my wife, Laura. And Eddie, you and I have talked about, and I've talked about this podcast before, how the last two and a half years, have been pretty heavy mm-hmm. and people have been living in largely isolation and missing the companionship um, and community that they once had and probably especially the gen z and so those are the gen z for people that don't know don't know the people that are born after 1997 and they've experienced a large large dose of tragedy in their lives and you look at it for the ones that are older gen z those coming of age years uh, they've experienced 9 11 and Sandy Hook and now the pandemic. And so they maybe more than anybody else are probably missing that community, uh, missing that companionship of life. And when I hear stories about the impact that JCC has to the community, the impact that JCC has on companionship, it reminds me of the companionship that a dog can provide to a family. It brings people together. And so while not silent at all, the JCC provides that human need for so many people, at least from my experience. And so what can you share, Eddie, with the listening audience that the ways in which JCC is helping the community with companionship and and community, and had you had to change anything you've done before pandemic and now coming out of it? You know, Jason, it's a really interesting, you know, segue from the dog to community. And I have to say that, um, you know, your puppies and your dogs in your home are really there for you when you need them. You want to go outside and go for a walk, they're game. You want to sit and cuddle on the couch, they're game. So really, they're they're not in service to us necessarily, but they really follow our lead. And I feel like the JCC has really followed the community's lead during this time, really being there for children, families, teens, older adults in ways they need and want, especially in light of those needs and wants being different during the period of the pandemic and and ongoing now. So in terms of like what we've changed, of course, we changed in some ways of the logistical operations, as we all did with COVID protocol. But that's not really, I think, where the anchor of change for our organization comes from. We welcome 60,000 people to our organization's programs every year. It's a lot of people who come to rely mm-hmm. on JCC Chicago one way or another. 
we are not in a clinical space. We are not a mental health organization, but mental health is very much on the minds of people today and very much a real part of their current lives. And they're coming to us. So mm -hmm. we really found a significant increased need for us to be able to welcome them where they are and provide supports that are appropriate from the community center perspective. So for young families, it means that you've just had a baby and you can't do the things that you know would normally do and go out and about and go to the park and have a play date. And so we had virtual play groups online for families. Um, when school was closed, of course, we pivoted to online stuff, but we opened super quick, mm -hmm. really understanding that families still needed childcare. They're working from home. Childcare doesn't go away as a need for working parents. Nope. And that the kids really thrive with routine and community and socialization and all the good things that comes from a communal setting like that. In 2020, we ran camp, day camp, when hardly anybody did, and we found a way. Mm -hmm. And a guiding light for our organization during this time is if it is possible, we can do it. And we have found a way technically to do all of the stuff, but we've really behind the scenes boosted our ability to support individuals as they are in ways that they need. So I think a point of pride for us is certainly the double and triple down of licensed social workers that are present for our preschools. We run seven preschools in the Chicagoland area. Nine day camps all have dedicated licensed social workers all summer. It's a very different look at what a community center, your local J sure. or your local Y might be focused on. But for us, it's, it's definitely been a significant focus and we're really proud of the progress we've made in that space. Yeah, think about that. So the the social worker aspect alone, I, I'm assuming those you had services like that pre-pandemic. And so was the doubling down, if you will, was that in response to the pandemic? Or did you have parents like drastically saying, Addie, we, we need we need more help, need more services? So traditionally, we are the only JCC in the country with an internal social services team. So it's always been a, a differentiator for us. We've always had three people, um, almost three FTEs that were focused primarily on early childhood. So we focused on things like early intervention mm -hmm. and helping parents recognize that speech is delayed or you might benefit from a referral to here or there. Um, helping parents struggle with whatever the realities are of having you know children zero to five. Um, we've added to that team a fourth full-time social worker, a full-time inclusion coordinator, and twice as many social workers in the summer that we would normally have. And I think one of the, the fourth full-time social worker position is really focused on our day camp community, mm -hmm. which is 3,500 plus kids strong, <laughs> plus the you know, seven, 800 counselors that support them all summer and our teen community. So we talked a lot to our teens. And like I said, I have a, I'm a parent of teens and young adults myself. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of loss there. And when we talked to our teens, what they said they wanted were, they wanted some place where they felt very comfortable coming to or it wasn't foreign to them. They really knew the the rules of the road, so to speak, and mm -hmm. could easily be part of uh, that space. They wanted to be with their friends and have fun. And the third thing they highlighted was a need to recognize in themselves and their peers mental health concerns. Okay. Um, what's a warning sign in myself? If my friend says A, B, or C, what is that warning sign? Should I tell someone? Who, who is it okay to tell? Um, what do I say without betraying confidence in my, yeah. that my friend shared with me? So those dynamics really led us to adding this fourth full-time role. And like I said, it is that sort of frame, too, that's supporting our day camp and overnight camp communities where we are so um, adolescent and teen-heavy. Well, that's... That, that's a that's a lesson that any organization, for profit, nonprofit, could take take a lesson from because adults struggle 
with talking about mental health challenges. And we, we, we're adults, right? We're supposed to be aware of these things and have a, a platform to speak and talk to each other on. But I think a lot of people feel that there's still a stigma about it. Um, sometimes some, I think some work environments, either intentionally or not intentionally, don't provide a safe harbor to talk about those things. And just to make it okay for these coming of age teens, hey, this is, this is okay, this is real life. And let's yeah. talk about it. And, yeah, we even have a new platform, Ask an Expert Anonymously. So that teen who's concerned, and, it, and it's not just, um, you know, isolation and separation that has come to forefront, but there's a lot of self-exploration, which is kind of what your teen years are for anyway. Like, who True. am I? Who do I want to be? And when you have those thoughts and conversations internally only, and you don't really have a chance to unpack with friends and see who your friend is becoming and what choices they're making. Um, it makes a lot of those feelings seem much, much heavier um, than they would in a normal environment. So yep. we've, we've really been um, proud to do that work. And I see us really probably leaning in even more deeply moving forward. I think that's wonderful because I have, you know, kids of mine are a little younger, but still we have the, the junior high ages and that's a, a weird age for anybody. And, <laughs> you know, as we all remember, but they get, I mean, some of these kiddos get a lot of their education from what? Online. Yeah. And and so I think the, the services that JC provides for those individuals is so important. As a parent, I'm thinking, hey, what what else, what better thing to have for our ch children in a service like this? So I, I applaud you on those efforts. And you mentioned before, and we talked about it a little bit, Eddie, you have about over, what, 3,500 kids in camps. You have over 200 teachers and quite a big organization. And I think, at least maybe this is my um, traditional brain speaking is I think that's what most people think about JCC, right? The camps and the school age programs. But you mentioned a couple of new services and opportunities you're providing to the uh, the community. Anything new? What's the one thing, if you can, one thing new or one thing um, excited or one thing that maybe you learned through the pandemic that you're doing differently now, so much more differently now that's really benefiting the organization? And if you already talked about it, you said a lot, so that's okay. A lot of good stuff. <laughs> So I'll share with you um, something that I've been spending a lot of my own personal time working on. Um, so again, JCC Chicago, we're the largest JCC on the, on the continent. Um, we're big in a lot of ways in that number of people that we serve, in the scope of our you know, fiscal position, and also the geography that we expand across. Um, we're also a system. So we're kind of like a lot of JCCs under one umbrella. So we're big. And therein lies our structure of you know seven early childhood centers, nine day camps, an overnight camp and a retreat center in Wisconsin. And on and on and on. Um, being big, I think, also comes with a responsibility. And for us, as the largest provider of Jewish early childhood in the country, and one of the largest providers of early childhood in Illinois, soup to nuts, I think we really have a responsibility to advocate for that field. So you may not know, but today is um, May 9th, and it is something that is newly dubbed, um, you know, one like something about like what if one day there was no childcare? It's an online activist, okay. you know, focus, which is really shining a light on the crisis that is early childhood. The structure of high cost for families and low pay for educators is broken. And I've been spending quite a bit of time engaged in conversation with our elected officials and joining our Jewish Federation's lobbying work through their government affairs division and really pushing the needle on what is the structural correction for the field of early childhood. Okay. Um, Childcare is not unnecessary. It's not going away. It will continue to be something that is mandatory for many families and mm -hmm. our society as a whole. So what can we do to really move the needle on making sure that those who are caring for our youngest children, providing all of that that we talked about, community, 
early intervention referral, connection to peers, personal growth. Mm -hmm. Those individuals who are stewarding our young minds like that, how can we make sure that their pay is strong and that families can find affordable childcare that is also high quality? Um, so while not kind of part of what we present to the community, it is very much behind the scenes work that is essential to making sure that we are a strong community partner, not only for our own organization, but for the many organizations that provide childcare throughout Chicago, Illinois, the country at large. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's the what have you found with all the efforts there is the not maybe not the one challenge, but a, a huge challenge of trying to with that undertaking, I'll put it that way. Listen, um, there's been countless you know, conversations <laughs> and, uh -huh. and articles and news stories on uh, the crisis that is the edu is education, um, the exodus of teachers from the field, the dearth of a pipeline for incoming educators. So I'm really looking to think outside the box. Okay. And I'm having conversations that may not have been had before to the effect that I raised my hand so much, so many times, so high and waved it around like, please, let's pay attention to this. And <laughs> Um, we've been very successful to secure a dedicated lobbying session on June 2nd so that our Illinois elected officials can focus on only early childhood, whereas in traditional lobbying sessions, you know, you might have three, four or five priority items that you're kind of running down for the officials who join you these days on screen mm -hmm. previously in Springfield and D.C. But now we're able to spend the entire period of time only on early childhood. And that's the forum that you want to start with. If we can get our feet wet and really anchored with individuals who really have the ability to um, create and pass legislation, then I think that we're on to something. For the course of the pandemic, the CARES Act funding, mm -hmm. child care restoration grants is how that money came through Illinois was essential for us and many others in keeping our doors open and ensuring that our parents didn't pick up the burden of school closure costs and other things like that. So we want to see what we can do now um, in the next phase, which is, again, highlighted by the pandemic. But it's not a new story. It's just sure. an exacerbated story at this point. Sure. Is there any call out to the, the community and how can we help? So if you go to jccchicago.org today, you will find on our Facebook page and in our um, Instagram accounts and on our website, a whole bunch of things that you can do on this day, May 9 and moving forward. So um, that's always a good source to see what little piece of the pie that you can have. But we're looking for people to sign on with a commitment to equitable, affordable early childhood care. Well, for those of you listening, that's jcc.org. Go on there and find out ways that you could help. And I'm sure they're um, looking for also financial ways to help to get involved, volunteer, be part of the, the solution here. And in spite of everything, I still believe that people are really good at heart. So that was made famous by Anne Frank. So in spite of everything, I still believe that people are really good at heart. And I like to believe that. And I also acknowledge that. I think it's easy to romanticize that idea. And I think it's harder to embrace that idea when you hear continued stories of intolerance. And one thing that comes to mind, one thing, um, is certainly unconscious bias, but a lack of education or a lack of appreciation for diversity amongst many people. And I know this topic is very important to you and JCC. And Eddie, one thing I've um, come to learn now through, through you and looking on your website, jcc.org, is learning more about Violins of Hope. And it's a really, I'm kind of goosebumps here, a really um, cool 
mission story. Um, it, it just it kind of warms the heart, and then, again, I got goosebumps again. It makes me feel really good. Would you mind sharing with the group, or the group, or the audience? I think they'd like to hear about it. What is Violins of Hope, and how are those efforts meant to address uh, intolerance? Yeah. So Violins of Hope is a beautiful global project. Uh, the Violins themselves is a group of 60 musical instruments that have been rescued from the Holocaust and restored. Every violin has a story. Every violin was played and can be played again. And they have literally traveled the globe. So JCC Chicago is bringing Violence of Hope to the Chicago and Illinois community for the first time, um, beginning in April of 2023. Um, they are designed to be a tool for um, meaningful, relatable Holocaust education, really with the undertone themes of um, anti-hate, mm -hmm. acceptance and tolerance, hope, mm -hmm. um, in a way that really brings humanity and the human story to an experience that, for, at this point, is generations removed from our young people. Today's young people have you know, we, did you just said, Jason, you know, they're online a lot. They get a lot of their information on a screen. And a lot of times that information is really anchored in, in bias and anti-acceptance, right? Sure. Anything other than really wrapping your arms around your neighbor. Through this experience, JCC will tour the violins for, through public and private schools, middle, high school, university level. Fun fact you might not know, the viewers, the listeners might not know, that um, Illinois is the first state in the country to have mandated Holocaust education for middle and high school students. Um, and there are only 20 states that mandate Holocaust education today, three of which signed on just last year. Okay. So we see this as an opportunity to really lift the story of the human story of the Holocaust off the page and provide it to students in a way that is something that they can really understand the people behind the words in the textbook. Um, I think that there's a lot of opportunity here and a great alignment for JCC Chicago and that one of our catchphrases that we love to say is that we're about growing good kids. <laughs> and growing good kids means that you really grow people with heart and, and, and an open heart and an open mind. And this is part of what the initiative is designed to do. One thing that we're really excited about is because it is a it's an endeavor to bring mm -hmm. the violins or they're priceless instruments and um, they require a lot of care. They will be in residence at the Illinois Holocaust Museum from July to September. So we actually have a six month period of time here in Chicagoland. But we are developing an interactive virtual platform such that the opportunity to learn through and be educated through the story of the violins will be available to literally every and any teacher in the country at no charge in a way that we think is really beautiful and connects people today to stories of the past um, through music and something mm -hmm. that is so simple but certainly has an incredible story to tell. I think that's it's beautiful. It really it is. is. It really is, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just it's a different way to connect with people through through storytelling. And and I and I love that. I think people generally, not all learners, but can learn through stories and grasp that better. And I, I think that's really, really impactful. And I'm excited to see it. I'd love to bring my kids up there to, to see it as well. Um, and so I think maybe one final question for you as you, as you sit as president and CEO of JCC and as you lead your leadership team there, if you look through your lens out into the future, what do you, what do you see? What are you most excited about? What I'm most excited about is the opportunity for a community center like ours to really be a catalyst for connection, of course, community that comes from connection, and also change. The world today is very different. 
than it was just a handful of years ago. And it's very different from when JCC Chicago was established almost 120 years ago. Um, you know, we were an organization that was created to welcome immigrants and ensure that they had a safe place to be, get access to medical care, be able to recreate at a time when Jews were not invited um, openly to every place. That's not our story today. Mm -hmm. um, we're living in a very different world where that's not our core competency and our primary mission, but much more so we're about, especially these days, finding avenues for people to join together. We love it when people come and meet at the J and we'll say like, they'll say, oh, I came to camp and I had a great experience, but then we went to an overnight camp that wasn't at JCC, but it went with my day camp friends. Great. Mm -hmm. Your JCC story should continue well beyond the programs that you engage with specific to our agency. So our hope is that we're really a launching pad for Again, children, families, teens, older adults, that there's really any age you are, there's a thing that we have for you at the J. And if it's not of interest to you, there's going to be another thing <laughs> that we can connect you to that's just as beautiful. Sure. And we really see ourselves as an anchor in the collective that is a network of agencies serving Chicagoland. We all have a lot to offer. And we're very proud for the niche that we have in the community um, and also our continued expanding work so that people can recognize that we are a beautiful place to try new things and find new friends and really feel um, that full heart that we all do when we come together in a community. Well, Addie, I certainly feel the heart, the passion that that comes through you and in your when you talk about JCC. And so I'm sure that employees and the kiddos and everybody, the community at large feels that as well. And so thank you for all that you do. Um, I want to say thank you for joining me today on the podcast. I really appreciate your friendship. And so that's going to wrap it up for today. And so until next time, um, on behalf of the Horton Group, I'm Jason Helfer saying thank you for listening to the One Thing Podcast. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for having me today. You're very welcome.